we are still hanging out here with uh, Demetrius Harvey from Big Cat Country. Um, just hanging out, having a good time, talking Steelers-Jaguars, this upcoming matchup for uh, for Sunday. Um, Demetrius, it looks like uh, you got a new set of headphones on. Can, can got, you hear me? I got a new set of headphones that, you know, they're taped up. I'm, I'm ready to roll. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, it, I'll move forward to this question here that was uh, put in our live chat from Snowman, who puts $5 in the tip jar and says, Demetrius, what positions are the Jags looking at at next year's draft? Absolutely, it's going to be the quarterback position. And, you know, going into the season, people were thinking maybe Gardner Minshew is going to be the guy. Maybe he's going to be somebody who you can depend on. And he might be the future at the position. Obviously, he gained a lot of respect through the media this summer and, and before and during the season. Minshew mania was taken off. But that kind of has fizzled out. That's kind of gone and, and, and over with, especially now he's injured. It just hasn't been the same. And, you know, they're a one in eight team. Usually when teams are very bad, it's, you know, typically because of the quarterback position. And then if they're in position to take a quarterback at the either the first overall pick or the second overall pick, then that's where they're going to go. That That's the key position that everybody assumes that they're going to take. And I think that that is what they're going to take. All right. Now, Jeffrey, looking over at uh, the Steelers side this year, um, Ben Roethlisberger today was named uh, AFC uh, Offensive Player of the Week. Also picked up the FedEx Air Player of the Week award. Um, I, I think that's given out across the entire NFL, voted by the fans. Um, there's kind of been a lot of talk regarding Ben Roethlisberger, whether or not where he should be ranked in the echelons of the of the NFL and of quarterbacks in general. Is he still a top quarterback? I think he is. Uh, right now, he's playing some of his smartest football. And I think in this last game, we really saw him feel more comfortable with his physicality in the game. He was moving in the pocket more like old Ben uh, that we're used to. Less less like kind of the statue that he's been. Uh, he's, he's played very smart football this season. But he hasn't really looked like himself. Is, is how I would put it. I, it's it's hard to really navigate, but he hasn't really looked like he's fully back yet. And this last game, he had those throws. He had those moments. He had a play where uh, the, the play he threw back, he like kind of jumped and spun and threw back over the defense to James Washington in the middle. He actually changed James Washington's route in the middle of the play. Uh, James Conner was coming through the line to slip out, and he's looking for that. And a linebacker absolutely just clotheslines James Conner knocks him flat on his butt. And Ben Roethlisberger sees this, rolls out, like makes this quick motion to James Washington to go there. James Washington goes back, stands in the middle of the field, and looks like he's completely confused. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. While his quarterback is running out to the right. And then Ben, like, flips, turns, throws it back to him. And James Washington's like, oh, catches the ball. And then, like, gains 14 yards on a second and 16. I watched that, and I was like, holy crap. this That's Ben Roethlisberger. Like, finally. It's not Ben Roethlisberger that's sitting there making quick passes with good form and, like, great footwork. No, Ben Roethlisberger's the guy who's, like, everything goes wrong and you just you just make some crap up on the fly, just wave a hand that way and go this way and throw over the defense. It's That's him. And if he is – if that – that could just be – it's Cincinnati. It's an Ohio team. I mean, with that win, he's now 50, 50 wins, nine losses, and one tie against Cleveland and Cincinnati combined. Like this, it's absurd. Only Tom Brady has a bad record against two teams than than, than Ben Roethlisberger does. 
it's it's ridiculous. That could just be it's Ben in o- against Ohio because he always does good against them. But it also could be that he's starting to come back. That this is, you know, it's been a long, he missed a year, didn't really have a, a full off season, didn't have preseason. You know, he's kind of worked himself through the preseason, working himself through early season. We're kind of starting to see mid-season form Ben. Now, that's my hope. <laughs> it, it looks like that on film, man. That last game, the film is great on Ben. It was a fantastic, fantastic game. You know, Demetrius, I'm curious to your thoughts on, like, watching Ben and him in this matchup. Just Specifically, he's been doing a lot of things that – have kind of been noteworthy across the NFL. Like he, he's basically calling up plays, or like literally drawing them in the dirt in the huddle, and say, "Hey, you run this, you run this, and I, I'm going to throw the ball here, or I'm just going to." It's like I don't know how many other players in the NFL can get away with this. If I can get on a tangent for a second, because it's just <laughs> very strange. I feel like a lot of players would be cut before uh, before they're allowed that kind of responsibility. But in this matchup, what do you think of the, the Jaguars' defense going up against Ben Roethlisberger? Well, I mean, in the past, I would say that they could have success against Ben Roethlisberger, even even in his improvisation and kind of running around, throwing it wildly, because we've seen that in the past where, you know, he might do that, and then against an opportunistic Jaguars defense, at least in 2017, some 2018, they were able to get some picks on him. Jalen Ramsey, obviously, there's a bunch of guys back in that back five, back seven for the Jaguars, and but now, obviously, it's a little bit different, you know? This is a team where if the play does break down, there's not necessarily one guy on the team besides maybe Miles Jack, I would say, who's probably been playing as one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's kind of gone on under the radar a bit nationally because the Jaguars are 1-8, and eight, but he's their rock right now. They switched him to outside linebacker, weak side linebacker specifically, and he's been probably the best player on their defense. But against a Ben Roethlisberger who's – he, like Jeffrey said, he's playing out of his mind. You know, he 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 was able to 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 do what he did last week against an Ohio team. But you know, it, it is what we have seen out of Big Ben in the past. You know, however many years we've seen him running around, drawing up plays in the huddle, doing whatever he can to get a first down, get a touchdown. So against a young Jaguars defense, they could struggle against a guy like that who they might see a different thing and then Ben will just throw the other direction. And they thought that they were playing their fundamentals where against Ben, you kind of just have to keep an eye on him and make sure that he's not doing anything crazy. Make sure that there's not guys right behind you that are going to be open. And you don't think that they're open, but Ben thinks that they're open and then they catch the ball right behind you. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend. But I do think that he can have a lot of success against this young Jaguars defense. Now, Jeffrey, when you look at the stats for the Steelers' offense, you look at all the receivers, the running backs, tight ends, it, it, it's really kind of interesting how like evenly distributed the ball is. Are, are you kind of surprised by this? Because the Steelers historically usually lean on one one or two players way more heavily than, uh, than uh, the rest of the guys throughout the offense. Is this something that uh, you kind of expect out of Ben, or was this uh, something that caught you off guard? The only part of it that surprises me is I really expected – I think we talked about this before the season started. I really expected him to lean heavily on Juju Smith-Schuster early in the season. And that started to show up, and then Juju had that knee injury that was he and his production just fell through the floor. Like and, and he, he seems to be back healthier now, uh, but Ben is spreading the ball all over the place. I did kind of expect that. We saw in 2018 – uh, Randy Fickner and Ben Roethlisberger, that they were they were kind of leading this offense towards a direction where they could take any receiver in any matchup given. 
Uh, and famously, Antonio Brown was not okay with that. Uh, and that kind of, they had to kind of had to change because it just, the offense wasn't working because you have this great talent who's just not getting the ball. Uh, but I kind of, so I kind of expected the spread around, not quite to the level it's been. Really not to the level it's been. Uh, so it's 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 been it's been kind of impressive and it makes it really hard to stop because a lot of teams are sitting there looking at this team and the Steelers are like so you know who's your fourth best cornerback and can they cover it and it like who, and how good can they cover guys in the slot because they're going to be doing it we're going to be you know we're going to be testing them we're going to be putting them out there Steelers go five wide you know they can go they can go empty set and have Eric Ebron you know James Washington Juju Smith-Schuster Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson those are five players. They can throw in Ray May, Ray Ray McLeod. You know, like how many defensive backs do you have? Because we've got six receivers. Yeah, and Demetrius, I'm curious the Jaguars' defense on a whole this year, like as a whole. When we look at the Jaguars Steelers matchups in, in previous years, a lot of those names aren't there anymore, like Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, like the the list really has gone on from uh, the players that have kind of been uh, moved out here. What what's this defense looking like now, and uh, is it anywhere near the level of that of uh, those 2017 2018 defenses? Right, it it's it's completely changed now. I don't know if you guys you guys have probably seen the picture of all five of the Jaguars defensive backs against the Steelers back in the day when they won that game. Uh, all of those guys are gone. Uh, we actually joked around about it uh, with AJ Boye last season. We told him, you know, now that Jalen's gone, you're the last one standing from that picture. Now he's gone. So the Jaguars went out and they drafted a guy in CJ Henderson out of Florida who has come in and, you know, he he's played well at times. He's not necessarily been the ninth overall pick you would necessarily want him to be uh, so far. You know, he's played up and down some games. You say, oh, well, there he is. That That's what you drafted. Uh, and then there's other games where you're thinking, uh, who knows what you got out of him. So they've had to change their secondary completely. Right now they're playing a rookie at strong safety. They might play Andrew Wingard, who was an undrafted free agent last year. They have a guy in Jared Wilson who was an undrafted free agent a few years back. Uh, on the other side, they have Sidney Jones, who was a street free agent from the, the Eagles. You know, they just picked him up during the season. He's played incredibly well. Actually got a pick on Aaron Rodgers last week. So they have some players, but this is not the same defense that was there from last uh, from 2017, especially on the defensive line, too. You, like you mentioned, Unique Ngakwe is gone. They had to trade him prior to the season. They traded Calais Campbell, surprisingly. Uh, Malik Jackson's gone. Uh, everybody pretty much is gone on that 2017 defense besides Miles Jack right now, at least in terms of the starters. So, it's 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 completely different, and they've had their moments of shining at times, especially in the most recent weeks. But it's definitely not the same dominant defense where you're expecting turnovers, you're expecting to stop the run game instantly. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for them. Now uh, we got another uh, super chat. Just me puts two dollars in the tip jar, and she's asking if the Steelers are able to run up the middle. Who's going to stop them? Um, I, I suppose that's uh, going towards uh, if James Conner is able to. Uh, to, to get going in the running game, how how could the Jaguars defend against that? Yeah, they um, they have Miles Jack. Like I said, he's been uh, he's really has been an incredible player against the run and the pass this year for the Jaguars. They finally are playing him in his more natural position. Uh, 
Joe Schobert, you know, while he's come in as a, a high price free agent, he hasn't necessarily been the guy that everybody would want to, you know, have him play at. He hasn't been the same player that you saw with the Browns. And now I think that that's more of a schematic thing that what the Jaguars run because they run a more of a Seattle Seahawks scheme where you kind of need that Bobby Wagner at the middle linebacker position or it's not going to be successful, but he's able to get in there against the run. Josh Allen is incredible at defensive end when he's healthy, he's able to defend the run, but it's going to be a tough challenge. They've been better against the run recently, but it's it's not as if they've been dominant. So we're going to see Taven Bryan hasn't necessarily been the guy that they wanted out of a first-round pick, especially uh, considering who was left on the board. So it's going to be a challenge, but I do think that the Jaguars, if they do have some sort of uh, resiliency, it's in that kind of middle area of the field where the second level with the linebackers are at. Yeah. I can jump in there. Uh, how is uh, the rookie, Davon Hamilton, how is he doing? Yeah, actually, I didn't bring him up. But I'm glad that I'm glad that you did. He's been playing incredibly well over the past few weeks. Uh, if anything, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, and I know that Derek Brown's playing decently better than he was in the beginning of the season. But he he's pretty much providing the same amount of production in terms of a run stopper. I mean, you you have the Carolina Panthers who took him seventh overall. You have the Jaguars who took Davon Hamilton in the third round. I I don't necessarily see a big difference between the two. Uh, he actually got his first sack last week. He was able to get a couple more pressures on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I think he's been in play, he's playing playing incredibly well, and that's going to be another guy that James Conner is going to have to run through and, and see if he can beat him. But you know that that Steelers offensive line has always been pretty solid. We'll see how he stacks up against them. I think that ultimately though, uh, Hamilton's been playing out of his mind exactly what they wanted out of a third round pick. Now, Jeffrey, when you look at this uh, entire uh, Steelers offense and you look at the skill, skill players and you kind of match them up against the Jaguars defense, it, is there one guy you kind of see uh, standing out and possibly having a outstanding game here? Uh, I would have, you know, I'm going to go with Juju. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Juju. Uh, Jaguars have the linebackers, but I think I think they're going to have to. You're going to have to see some Miles Jack on Eric Ebron, uh, and that's going to that's going to leave Juju underneath uh, in pretty good situation. The Steelers the Steelers are getting their underneath passing game back going again. Uh, I really I really do expect if this game if the game is getting uh, a little more lopsided, then I expect I'll expect to see exactly what we saw last week, which was Ben Roethlisberger forcing balls to chase Claypool deep, trying to get that timing, get that timing down that has eluded them recently. Uh, but if if it's a tough game, if it's a tight game, if it's if it's a competitive game at all, I really expect to see Juju Smith-Schuster getting a lot of action. Now, Demetrius, I know you're uh, kind of tight for time here. Um, I got a couple questions for you before you get out. Um, first one. Yannick Ngakwe isn't on the Jaguars anymore, but Jaguars fans are uh, really trying to push to get him into the Pro Bowl. Can can you explain what's going on with that? Yeah, so I actually just saw that this morning, and I was, you know, I'm I'm always impressed by the Jaguars fan base, especially on Jaguars Twitter. They always find ways to surprise me again. But basically, they went on Reddit. I guess a guy on Reddit who's a Jaguars fans, you know, he went and got the Green Bay Packers, the uh, Chicago Bears, even the New Orleans Saints, everybody from the N- NFC North as well, just like play- teams that would be against the Vikings. And that's because, you know, when the when the Jaguars traded 
Unique Ngakwe to the Vikings. They traded him for a second-round pick, but also they traded him for a conditional, I believe it was a fifth-round pick, that can turn into a fourth-round pick if Unique Ngakwe gets to the Pro Bowl. So there's been a huge Pro Bowl, pu- Pro Bowl push for Unique Ngakwe by Jaguars fans. Everybody's voting. People are recruiting other people to vote. I think bots are being made. It's kind of crazy in terms of what exactly is going on there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because the Vikings are essentially going to be giving up maybe a better pick, and they don't even have them anymore. So it's just been a, a, a fun ordeal for Jaguars fans. They always find a way to make fun and, and maybe a bad season, and this is their way this year. All right, two more quick ones, uh, and then uh, then we'll get you out of here. First one, if you could pluck anyone off the Steelers team not named TJ Watt, we had to throw this caveat in because <laughs> I want to keep grabbing TJ. If you could take one player off the Steelers team, throw him on the Jaguars, who's it going to be? Ooh, that's a good one. If I had to take any player off the Steelers, I mean, I love like a Cameron Hayward or a Bud Dupree. You can't pick TJ. Are you sure TJ Watts off the board? Everyone has picked him, so we had to take him off. It was starting to get a little boring. <laughs> okay. And even Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I think I would pick uh, Minka Fitzpatrick just to be kind of different. Uh, he's a ball hawk. He's a guy that the Jaguars don't necessarily have in the back end of their defense. I, Jared Wilson's a fantastic uh, role player. He can play. He can spot start. He can start for a team, but he's not a guy who's going to be getting a bunch of uh, interceptions or a bunch of turnovers. So, you know, if, if I had to pick one guy, he's he's an incredible defensive back. I have him play safety, and now you got a free roamer in the back end of your defense, and, and you're kind of good to go in that area. Last question for you. What's the final score of this game? I've been picking <laughs> I've been picking against the Jags for a few weeks in a row now. I'm going to still pick against the Jags, but I do think it's going to be a lot closer maybe than uh than maybe others would predict maybe like a 24 to 14 game kind of weird showing from the Steelers being in Jacksonville maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars Pittsburgh Steelers rivalry kind of continues in that in that aspect it might be close in the beginning and then kind of at the end you realize that the Steelers are just going to win uh, but I think it's going to be about 24-14, something like that. Awesome. Now, Demetrius, as you go out, uh, is there anything uh, you want to plug? Oh, uh, yeah, just uh, you can find me on Twitter at Demetrius82. I cover both the Jacksonville Jaguars and the uh, Florida Gators. I cover the Florida Gators for allgators.com, uh, Sports Illustrated's Gators website. You can check that out there. If you do like the Florida Gators, I'm not sure how many Gators fans you have up there in Pittsburgh, but uh and just some Jaguars content. If you care about the Jaguars or care about the NFL, you know, just check me out there. Awesome. Demetrius, thank you so much for your time. Demetrius Harvey of uh, Big Cat Country. Thank you again. Appreciate it. All right. Steelers fans, that was uh, that was Demetrius. That, that was fun. Uh, J- Jeffrey, uh, what did you think of our uh, of our chat? That was good. It was, it was a good chat. Um, I also want to throw in. While we were talking about Yannick Ngakwe, uh, that when they traded him to the Ravens, it was for a third round pick and a conditional fifth round pick. I tried as hard as I could. I could not find what the conditions on that fifth round pick were, but it's quite possible, seeing what the Minnesota Vikings already had, that they matched that condition to their own fifth round pick in it. And it's quite possible that if Yannick Ngakwe makes the Pro Bowl, it could be the Ravens fourth round pick instead of their fifth going to Minnesota to make up for the fact that they're losing a fourth round pick and the same thing. I can't verify it, but uh, it's, it's worth a vote. I mean, it's also, he also plays defensive end 
and the only sealer eligible for defensive end is Stefan Tuitt. So go ahead, vote for Tuitt, vote for Ngakwe, uh, and let's let's see if maybe we can hurt the Ravens in the process. <laughs> oh, I I love that. Uh, I'm like I'm, I'm not m- much of a Pro Bowl voter. Like I I, I try to get my guys in, but uh, I'm I'm gonna go do this immediately here after <laughs> after we're off the air. Try to get to try to help the Steelers up by stealing a pick from the Ravens. Goodness gracious! Yeah, the Ravens <laughs> do good in those middle rounds too. So it's a that'd be a great great one to move down. All right, keep that in mind. So if you're listening to this, make sure to do this after the fact. Uh, get to get unique and Gakwe into the Pro Bowl. Um, when you look at this matchup, Jeffrey, is is there really any chance that you see the Steelers lose this one? All right, this is what I always do. I look at it and I say, okay, if I wake up Monday morning, the day after the game, and the Steelers have lost, how does it happen? Um, and here. Here's how, here's how we do it. Their offensive line is actually good run blocking. They're not the best pass blocking. They are a good run blocking line. James Robinson is on fire right now. Last three games, 4.6 yards per carry, 109 yards per game in the last three games. If he is running the ball, opening things up for a young quarterback with a strong arm, we have seen guys with a strong arm put up yards on this team because the Steelers will give you outside – deep routes they'll give those to you those are the hardest ones to throw they'll give them kid has a nice strong arm he's a big kid if he's making those throws it's a long day ben roethlisberger's career his worst team his worst numbers against any team are against the jacksonville jaguars he has 12 touchdowns to 11 interceptions the only team he's played very often you know more than like the only team he's played at least five games against that he has that close, you know, touchdowns to interceptions. His lowest quarterback rating of his career is against for his career is against the Buffalo Bills in four games against them. Second worst is Jacksonville Jaguars, eight games against them. If they still kind of have his number, you know what I'm saying? Like this isn't the same defense, but if they kind of have that where they can slow him down, uh the Jaguars are terrible at run defense, but they're as terrible as the Dallas Cowboys were, and we didn't run on them. Like, there's all these numbers that match up, and you look at them and you say, okay, where they're bad, we've struggled against teams who are just as bad there. And where they're good could cause us a problem. I really don't think it does. I think the Steelers win this game. I do think it's closer than people expect, simply because the Steelers are going to have to jump all over the run game to stop this young running back, and that's going to open things up for a quarterback who, like you said, he has three things against it. If, you, if you're the Steelers trying to stop a quarterback, Jake Luton has three things that, that should worry you a little bit. One, he is not a starter. Two, he's not a number one overall pick. And three, he is not a former Heisman Trophy winner. So, uh, yeah, those, those are three things that when you when you add them all together is, is something that maybe the Steelers struggle with. Uh, my real concern, though, is would be DJ Shark. If he gets something going with DJ Shark like we saw week five in Philadelphia – uh, where they got – I can't remember the kid's name. They got the, – the one receiver went off. If oh. something like that happens, Fulgham. Fulgham, yeah. Travis if something Fulgham. like that happens, James Robinson is running the ball. It, this could be a game the Steelers lose. Um, and frankly, my, my opinion about the Steelers is I don't care if they win or lose anymore. Like right now at, at 9-0, I don't care. Uh my the only the, the worst scenario for me coming out of this is the Steelers go into week 17 
And that game is absolutely meaningless because they've locked down a first round bye. And they're looking at either playing Ben Roethlisberger against the Browns in a game that the Browns will probably be be important to them. And also with their chance to ruin the Steelers by injuring Ben Roethlisberger. And your other option is sit Ben Roethlisberger for two weeks. Because when he sits for multiple weeks, he comes back rusty. So I would rather, honestly, I would rather go into week 17 knowing the Steelers don't have the first round by and rest Ben Roethlisberger against the Browns and then go into the playoffs and have to play a wild card game than to go into week 17 having that game not matter and the first round seed already locked up. That's just me, though. I'm kind of paranoid. I look at the stats and I end up getting paranoid. But I don't. I don't like being undefeated. I don't like that. <laughs> it's just. I, it, it feels. It feels. It makes me nervous. You know what? There's a couple things I, I want to mention on there, and I, I see we do have a super chat. We will get to, but um, I think Ben Roethlisberger's stats against the Jaguars in the regular season are really kind of messed up by that one five interception game. I think that that throws everything out of whack there. So I, I think if you take that one out in 2017, the numbers look a little bit better. Uh, when it comes to what you said with uh, week 17, though, that, that, that makes me really sit here and think about it. Like when you when you listen to former players from the Indianapolis Colts um, that lost the Super Bowl, to the Saints, uh, they're 14 and 0 and then rested two, uh, two weeks to not to not uh, have a chance at a perfect season. All those guys hate it. They all wish they went for it just to be a part of history. Uh, they end up not winning the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah. So if, if the Steelers find themselves in a position where they're 15 and 0 potentially going into Cleveland and they have absolutely nothing to play for, the thing with Ben Roethlisberger and two weeks off and rust is super true. And honestly, I, I feel like you almost have to play Ben for a half just for that not to happen. And yeah. that way, you still have the ability to to maybe get that kind of record. That uh, I, I know. I, I know. I, I, at the end of the day, it is an important. It, it is not, but in terms of legacy, I, I think it still kind of is just being able to say, oh, we went undefeated one year, especially if, if they are able to ho- hoist the Lombardi at the end of it. That's that's the cherry on top, really. So I, I think we will discuss that more once we get a little <laughs> bit closer to the playoffs and if this winning streak continues, because there's still seven games away from that happening. I, I know the matchups are really in the Steelers' favor, but Really should get to the super chat from Just Me, who puts two dollars in the tip jar and asks for a score predictions. Uh, we we can get to that right now, Jeffrey. What are you thinking for that game? Twenty-five to twenty Steelers. Ooh, that is a that is a tight one. I wouldn't be surprised by that. My score prediction is going to be tighter because uh, I hate the Jaguars field. I, it's going to sound weird. I, I hate. I, I don't like the humidity in the area. I, I think the grass has always been terrible in Jacksonville. I just don't like how the stadium looks. That that annoys me too. All, all of it screams low scoring to me. Um, I, I feel like the Steelers will still win this one and actually cover the point spread, but I feel like it will be low scoring and just kind of an ugly game that Steelers fans are frustrated at, even though they still covered as 10-point road favorites. Like I, I could see it being like 17-7, just like a really close, ugly game. I, I, could, I can definitely see that happening. I prefer a game like how they played against the Bengals. It was nice being able to sit back and kind of uh, enjoy a Sunday. But on the road in Jacksonville, the Steelers, like once again, they, they got to prove they can they can take on an inferior opponent on the road as a ten point favorite. It, it is what it is. But I'm still not convinced with that uh, Cowboys 
victory. Now, before uh, before we kind of wrap things up, do you uh, have uh, any uh, X factor or anything uh, f- for this one? Uh, my X factor is James Robinson for the for the and the offensive line for the Jaguars. So obviously, it, it's if they can't. I'm going to say this right now: if they can't get the run going, it's, it's the Steelers are killing them. If they can run the ball against the Steelers, which Hasn't happened when Tyson Alualu plays, but we saw him on limited snaps last week. So you know how is is he really back? How you know how much are the Steelers going to play him? Uh, if he gets he he is the X factor. Uh, my X factor on the other side for the Steelers is uh, it's it's going to be Minka Fitzpatrick because if they're forcing the guy to throw all outside, that's tough. He's he's probably gonna he's probably gonna make some throws over the middle, and uh, you know Minka grabs one of those and takes it to the house. Then it's a different ball game. Yeah, a, a pick six. When, when you when you look at the stats in NFL history, a pick six virtually guarantees you victory. It, it's something ridiculous. Like you, if you pull one of those out in a game, you're winning like ninety percent of the time. So if the, if that happens, I, I'm like firmly in the Steelers' favor. And for me, I think the X factor in this one, I, I'm actually going to throw in Ray Ray McLeod. He's been close to breaking a few ones. Uh, he, oh, are, are you disappointed? He's in no, no, Ray no, Ray? no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Ray Ray has been outstanding this year. And honestly, Ray Ray has been uh, one of my, uh, favorite players to watch. He's just electric and something the Steelers have been missing for a long time. So I think if Ray Ray can, uh, help win that position field position battle in that gross grass, like I was saying in Jacksonville, I think that's going to go a far way to victory. Now I bring up that name. That's a big reaction. I'm curious uh, what's going on with uh, with Ray Ray McLeod. No, as soon as I gave my picks, I was like, oh, man, I should have said Danny Smith. I was going to say Danny Smith and the special teams because the Steelers' special teams dominated that Bengals game. The nope. Steelers' offense really wasn't as good as they looked, and the Steelers' defense wasn't really as good as they looked in that game. They were good, but they weren't dominant. The dominant unit on that day was the Steelers special teams. Uh, I did I did a film room about it. It was my first film room. I had to because it was incredible. The the Steelers would get out, like the, the Bengals would gain a bunch of yards, punt. The Steelers would get like five yards and field position than, than, than they were the drive before when they gained yards. Like it was just absolutely fantastic. They had that forced fumble. The offense could get nothing going early. They gained they gained 23 yards on their first two drives, something like that, something crazy like that, and they kicked a field goal. Because the, the the special teams just made it happen. So I would love, absolutely love, I'm a huge special teams fan. Uh, so I would absolutely love to see Danny Smith and the Steelers special teams pull another game like that and just just make it a non-factor. Make the, make the Jaguars in a hole every single time they get on offense or defense. They're just in a bad spot because the special teams are winning. Now, uh, I, I, there, there's a couple things that jump into my mind that I want to talk about before we get out of here. Quickly, just a statement. I feel like uh, the Steelers are, are saving up something, some crazy uh, trick play or, or, or something just pulling out of their arsenal for the Ravens game at home on Thanksgiving in a short week. I feel like that's an inev- inevitability. I think that's coming. But on the same note as that, two weeks in a row, the Steelers have uh, uh, been challenged with a, a special teams fake. And Mike Tomlin's noted that this team's getting punched in the mouth each and every week because they're the top dog in the NFL. Do you suspe- suspect that uh, something is coming against the Jaguars again and Steelers basically got to be uh, prepared to, no matter who the opponent is, uh, something wacky is going to happen? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I expect something on special teams, uh, and it'll probably work because you can't, like, you can't cover a, a, a full 
field lateral. You know, you can't always be prepared for a punt fake. It's, it's just hard. So, yeah, I I think they'll get something, and I think we'll see it on their offense. I think they will come up with something after Luton had a rougher game this last time. Uh, maybe it's, you know, the young, like you talk about the, the young wide receiver, the rookie wide receiver playing Wildcat. If he's back, you could see some tricks in there. Uh, there there's a lot of things you could see that they really would throw out here. Um, I also should bring up, they are number one. If you go by drive, if you go look at drive uh, results for percentage of drives that end in a turnover on downs, number one in the NFL, they have ended 11 drives with a turnover on downs. They go for it on fourth down a lot. Uh, one of the nice things about that is the Steelers are the number one team in fourth down conversion defense. Number one in the NFL, the 14 times teams have tried it, they've converted twice. Wow. Now, we did have a super chat, so uh, we should answer this one before we get out. Um, I think we, we should both take a stab on this one. It, uh, I believe this is Occam's OX asking, what kind of trouble are the Baltimore Ravens or Tennessee Titans in if they lose on Sunday? Of course, they're playing one another. I think for me, um, looking at the Ravens, if they are to lose, I think the Steelers just win the AFC North. If the Ravens lose again this year, that is outside the Steelers game because that one just pushed it over the top for me. It's over. The Ravens basically have to win out at this point. Tennessee, I think a loss for Tennessee, that loses them their division too. I think Indianapolis is just going to run away with it. So whoever loses probably loses their division. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I think both of them are kind of frauds. It's a, they're, they're not really that great of teams. Teams have sold Baltimore's offense. They've got to figure something out. they got to get some wide receivers because they can't just manufacture yards anymore. They're going to have to have some wide receivers win some matchups, or that offense is not really a thing. Tennessee, Tennessee is kind of a sham now. Like they, they, they win games through controlling the ball, and that's it. That's that's how they win games is by dominating time of possession with their run game. So to me, the team that loses that is over. Like really, put a fork in them. Their their real shot at contending is done. You've got two teams that are kind of kind of contenders but they're not in the top tier and one of them is getting knocked out. That's, that's my opinion of this game is, is one of these teams is going to be the pretender who gets knocked out this week. We got one more super chat. I uh, really want to make sure we get to all these before we get out. Uh, Crazy blue two, two, three puts $5 in the tip jar saying the trick play on Thanksgiving jet sweep pass by Claypool for a touchdown. He's left-handed Jeffrey, you know, this from the live chat or, 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 or uh, our BTSC chat. Um, Cause once again, I, uh, <laughs> Chris Claypool and I uh, played in the same uh, BC High School Football League, uh, recruited to the same university I played for, uh, watched watched his a lot of his film. He's got an absolute cannon. Uh, this was a secret that I've been uh, holding c- close to my chest, but if, if it's going to get thrown out there, I might as well throw out there that I, I do predict this is coming as well. Uh, in high school, this kid could throw the ball 50 yards on a dot. So I, I think that trick play is coming. Is there any anything you want to add to that, Jeffrey? Well, I'm actually going to ask you who's he throwing it to. Ooh, that is tough. He's got a cannon. <laughs> Ray Ray McLeod. I feel like that would be Chase Chase Claypool to Ray Ray McLeod. Could you met? I if I it. call that, if I call that, I I, I deserve something, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to get anything. <laughs> On Thanksgiving, third quarter, three minutes, thirty eight seconds left in the quarter. If I call that, I'm just buying a lottery ticket. That's Chase what it's Claypool come down to. Touchdown pass on a jet sweep to Ray Ray McLeod. You heard it here first, folks. Thanksgiving. I mean, just make it so specific. It's just impossible. But <laughs> Well, hey, wide receiver passes for touchdowns. 
have a great and storied history in uh, in Steelers lore. And remember, the year we did that in the Super Bowl, we did it against the Browns earlier that season in a big game. So you never know. No, it could be a, it could be a good sign. Chase Claypool <laughs> throwing that throwing that touchdown pass to Ray Ray McLeod to beat the Ravens. Maybe get a repeat in the Super Bowl. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm just put it put it out there to the universe, <laughs> Jeffrey. As as we sign out here, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we had a vertex. I work with uh, Dave Schofield, the stats geek, uh, the, the young the younger Scobro. Uh, we did our vertex this week and the last week. It's it's all about the Steelers' offense, the run game, the pass game. We, we cover a ton of topics, uh, and they've been really good these last couple of weeks. Uh, Dave does a great job of finding – I, I kind of threw an idea out there. He did a great job of finding all the stats behind it, uh, and I found some – I just looked through film and and, and say what I think. Uh, but it's a that's a great one, and I've got an article film room coming out later this week about the passing game. It's going to be incredibly long. I got, I got a little wordy in it because – I got a little excited about this one. There's a ton of film, ton of words. Uh, take two times, you know, take take a couple days to read it if you need to. But uh, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Now, uh, for myself, I uh, got uh, Breaking the Narrative uh, coming out, a uh, bit of a series that started today, uh, why Ben Roethlisberger should be considered in the MVP race. Uh, tomorrow, it's uh, why the the Steelers as a whole, uh, people calling them the worst 9-0 team in history is the most ridiculous phrase that I could possibly here. Um, one thing before we get out, uh, craziest idea, Claypool to Ben. That's never going to happen. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, I think <laughs> no. at this point in his career, runs about a 6.540, and Please that's being no. awfully generous. Uh, Please, he might... <laughs> that, Please that... don't throw a ball to Ben Roethlisberger. Don't even let him block. Like, like don't <laughs> let him block. I was glad to see where he's thought about blocking and he thought better of it. I was happy about that. Like, no. Ten no. years ago, Ben was taking that guy's knees oh. out. If this, if this was 2009, I would have been like, yeah, throw it to him. Shoot, let him run some people over, stiff arm a guy, and truck people into the end zone. Oh, yeah. Now he's made a glass. The guy's taking 10 sacks this year and is limping harder than uh, I've ever seen him limp in his career. But, oh, no. but with that being said, uh, thank you for turn, tuning in to Know Your Enemy. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. It's Ravens week once again. I uh, got to get through this one. Hopefully 10 and 0 playing the Baltimore Ravens at home on Thanksgiving. The lineup next week is going to change. Uh, I believe know your enemy still prime for Wednesday. It might be on a different night. So just keep your eyes locked to behind the steel curtain for that. Check out our whole uh, podcast family. Check out the website. Uh, and we will see you guys the next one. Thanks for stopping by, guys.